0: Oh dear Heavenly Father we surrender it all over to you we come before you we love you we glorify your precious name we give you glory and honor Lord we ask you in the name of Jesus to touch our hearts touch our hearts Lord God that we may come to a place where we surrender everything over to you Lord God We surrender it all. We don't keep anything for ourselves. We surrender it all. Where your will and our will meet, we choose your will, Lord God. Today, I pray for each and every one, Lord God, that they choose your will. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. Thank you, Lord. Thank you, Lord. We choose your will. Hallelujah. We choose your will. Hallelujah.
1: In every tribe and tongue join the song of the angels. <laughs> the 24 elders. Hallelujah. Oh, we love you. We love you, oh. we love love you Lord. We love you, Lord. We love you,
2: Lord.
1: Oh, we worship you, Lord. You hear the sound of heaven Like the sound of many waters It's the sound of worship Coming from the throne There are cries of Adam every nation lift their voice to make i
2: da Tambato Sofia e dividiamo assieme. Da lì roviera la somma con roba da salvare
0: di avere di avere da salvare per uno. Poi roba da salvare tutti roba della Ronco va da salvare dividere he, he said to me, Son of man, have
1: you seen this? this? he brought me and he returned me to the river. The river. He, he said to me, this water flows water through the eastern region, eastern it goes down to the suburb, and enters the sea. And when it reaches the sea, its waters are healed. And it's snow made at every living thing that moves. Let your holy presence fill
0: o rabarata la rondocopa tapa taza di cirro di rondo you <laughs> cava Oh, dale, tío,
2: mama, tío, 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 tío,
1: mí, you that the city probably
2: The yeah. I am on yeah. the to the street, I go the street, to
1: the street, I go to the street, the I the I go
0: we come before you today and we thank you, Lord God, for all that you've done. We thank you, Lord God, for everything that you've done for us. We thank you, Lord, for being the mighty, mighty God. We thank you, Lord God, for teaching us your word. We thank you for your love and your mercy and your grace. We glorify you, Lord God. I pray for each one here today, Lord God, that you will touch their hearts. Give them a desire for you like they've never had. Give them a desire to read the word like they've never had the desire before. Give them a love for you that they've never had before. In Jesus' precious name, we thank you. And all God's people said, Amen. Amen. Hallelujah. Well, friends, if that is you, you got a special treat. We You got to join us in worship. I don't always add that. And, of course, I'm getting ready to turn on the video so I can start recording the sermon for today. But if you're listening in, you were able to worship along with us. And I'm so grateful for that. So, we are going to get started with the sermon today, today's sermon. Hallelujah. And I'm just getting this set up here now. We're going to do this. Ah, and here we are. There we are. Wonderful. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. Well, hello, hello, hello. Today is February the 2nd, 2020. And if you are watching the video, Of today's Sunday morning sermon. You are just coming in and we are going to, today I'm going to be teaching about surrender. I'm so excited that you've joined me here today. I'm so excited because the Word of God is powerful and life-changing. There is nothing like the Word of God. Absolutely nothing at all. And for those of you who have been listening in already on the podcast, of course you know that you had a special treat where you got to join us for worship today and we worship the Lord so if you want to join us for worship of course you can always go to the podcast and you can listen to it at anchor.fm or wherever you listen to podcasts and just put in Michelle Donatty Ministries you will find me and you can listen to the entire sermon it will all be in one part on the podcast along with the worship on the video I always break it into two parts So I'm going to begin by praying with you here today, those of you who've joined us by video, and let's go to the Lord in prayer. Dear Heavenly Father, let's stand. Dear Heavenly Father, I thank you for each and every person here today. Let me just move this out of the way. Hallelujah. Dear Heavenly Father, I thank you for each and every person here today. I ask you, Lord God, to give them a desire in their heart to hear your word, to heed your word, to be doers of the word rather than hearers of the word in the name of Jesus, that they may live by faith and walk out their faith through works, Lord God, that their works will exhibit their faith, as Paul said. Hallelujah. Not that they may be lived by works, but he said, show me, I'll show you my works and you'll see my faith. He'll paraphrasing, but he meant that, Lord God, If we could see what he did in his life, we would know based on his lifestyle what he believed according to your word. So, Lord God, I thank you, Lord God, for each and every one here today. May their ears be open. May their eyes be open. May they hear what you want them to hear today. Give them ears to hear what you have to say. In Jesus' precious name and in all God's people said, amen. Hallelujah. Let me just pull up my chair here today's sermon is about surrender i've been talking about this a lot lately because the Lord slated it on my heart to preach about this. And I think this is perfect. Not I think, I know it's perfect because this is something that many of us do not think about. Many people in the church have not lived according to this, and this is the word. This is the word to surrender. So surrendering to the Lord Jesus is what I'm going to teach about today. I'm really excited about this because it's going to change your life. So let's open up, let's start first in the book of Revelation. And if you watch. The sermon or listen to the sermon last week, you know that I started actually talking in the book of Revelations about what Jesus said to each of the churches. He sent a letter, or he told um, to send a letter to this one, uh, to send a letter to that one, the angel of each church. There was an angel assigned to the seven churches of Asia, and those seven churches each had a word specific to their church and their congregation about what Jesus wanted for them. And of course, he spoke about the things that were good, and then he spoke about what he had against them. And those are the words that he would use in many of the scriptures, but this one thing I have against you. So what we're going to do is we're going to go here and we're going to start with Revelations, the book of Revelation, and we're going to start with Revelation chapter 2, okay? And we're going to start Revelations chapter 2, verse 1. All right, and it says, Unto the angel of the church of Ephesus write, These things saith he that holdeth the seven stars in his right hand. Read along with me. Who walketh in the midst of the seven golden candlesticks? And that's Jesus. I know thy works and thy labor and thy patience, and how thou canst not bear them which are evil. And Thou hast tried, tried them which say they are apostles and are not and has found them liars, and is born, and has patience, and for my name's sake has labored and has not fainted. These are good things, right? He's saying, you've done all these wonderful things. I see this. Nevertheless, I have somewhat against thee, because thou hast left thy first love. Right here, who is our first love? Our first love is Jesus jesus is our first love and he's saying i have this against you because you've left me now you might ask yourself or you might be saying well pastor how is it possible that i can be doing these things for the lord and still have lost my first love how is that possible how can i have uh works and labor and uh and and patience and and not bear them which are evil and 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 has tried them which say they are apostles and are not and has found them liars and has borne and has patience and for my that my namesake has labored and has not faded how can that happen it happened it happened there are people who go to church every sunday There are people who have gone to church for many, many years. Sunday night, Saturday night, Sunday mornings, Friday night, Wednesday night. Go to Bible study. They go to all the events. They serve in all the things that the church does in the community. They sing in the choir. They teach children's ministry. Yet, they've lost their first love. This is no different. He says, nevertheless, this is what the Bible says. Nevertheless, I have somewhat against thee. Because thou hast left thy first love. Left thy first love. That's pretty scary to imagine. But it's the reason that the Lord tells us that we are to examine ourselves using the word of God as a mirror. The, mirror is, the word of God is a mirror. And it tells us we can look into the word of God and see. Oh, We can see the condition of our heart. We're not to compare ourselves to others. We're to compare ourselves to the word of God. Then he says in verse 5, Remember, therefore, from whence thou art fallen, and repent, and do the first works. So first you loved him. You loved him when you first knew, you first were saved. You knew where you came from. You knew that you had fallen. You knew, and you didn't forget. It says, or else I will come unto thee quickly, and will remove thy candlestick out of his place, except thou repent. You will not see the kingdom of God if you don't repent. It's so important to Jesus that we love him first, that he says that I will remove that candlestick out of his place, except thou repent. So if you don't repent, you will not be part of the kingdom of God because Jesus must be our first love before anyone, before anything. When you put something before the Lord, it is idolatry. You can put your children before the Lord, and that is you're making them idols. You can put your husband or your wife or your money or your job. And some, we don't even realize we're doing it sometimes. Many of us haven't even realized it. He said, it is so important for us to love him first that we must acknowledge and change We must acknowledge what he said here and we must change because he's pointing this out because it's important. The Bible calls us the bride of Christ. He is the bridegroom. We are the bride. When you love someone, you are their bride. You love them with all of your heart. He calls us the bride because he wants us to love him with all of his, all of our heart. In verse six, just one second here. Excuse me, drink some water. Verse six, but this thou hast, that thou hatest the deeds of the Nicolaitans, which I also hate. Now, if you followed along last week, you know that the Nicolaitans worshiped a man named Nicholas, and he taught them sexual fornication. He taught them evil, wicked acts, sexual acts. So it says they hate what the Nicolaitans do. He hates too. Then he says, He that hath an ear, let him hear what the Spirit saith unto the churches." Now, he's saying this because sometimes we say, well, that can't be me. I can't be wrong because I do this right, I do this right, I live this way. This is better than that one. I live this way and this one. At least I'm not doing that, but that's not what the Bible says. He doesn't say. In fact, he tells us, do not compare yourselves among yourselves. Why? Because if you start comparing yourselves to the people around you, of course you're going to look good. Maybe you go to church five days a week. That sounds great, right? Except if you're not doing what the word says. You can go to church. You can go to church. You can live at the church. You could sleep at the church and still not be a disciple of Jesus Christ. You could still not be a disciple of Jesus Christ. Why do I tell you this and what does it mean? It means you have to look at your heart. Remember, God said before when he was talking to Samuel, who was the prophet of God who anointed David king. Remember when he went to Jesse's, all Jesse's sons? All of them except for David were tall and it said they were good to look upon and they were handsome and strong and, and, and I'm sure you know they had all these wonderful things that you can see on the outside. And we would say that would make a good king. That would make a good king. He would be a good king. But God said, no, I look at the inward things. Man looks at the outward things. I look at the inward things. He looks at our heart. He looks at my heart. He looks at your heart. He looks at your heart. He If you don't look at your heart according to what the word says, it says it right here. He says, I will come unto thee quickly, quickly, and I will remove thy candlestick out of his place, except thou repent. David had it right when he repented quickly. Remember how he was a murderer? And he was basically a a thief. He stole another man's wife. He knew that he could get away with it, and he did. He was a fornicator, an adulterer, or uh, what's the word I'm looking for? Adulterer is the right word. He slept with another man's wife. He was already married. He was not married to this woman. I mean, you could just go down the list of things. Then on top of that, when I say he was a murderer and a conspirator, he wrote a letter, gave it to the man because he asked the man, he wanted him to go home and sleep with his wife, Uriah, so he would, um, you know, think that he got his wife pregnant when David knew that his wife was pregnant by David. Then he said, okay, you're not gonna go sleep with your wife, all right, I'm gonna give you a letter. And I want you to deliver this letter to the captain. And he delivered it to the captain, not knowing it was his death sentence. So in the letter he tells the captain to put him in the beginning and the front of the troops and let everybody retreat. He was a murderer, a conspirator, an adulterer, a liar, a cheat, I mean, But God called him a man after his own heart, didn't he? Why? Because he immediately repented. He got caught up in in, in these things. Yes, yes, yes. But when Samuel came and told him the story, and he said there was a man, and there was a man who had a little, little lamb, and he loved the little lamb, and the little lamb was his only lamb, and he ate with the little lamb, and he slept with the little lamb, and he cared for the little lamb, and he loved the little lamb with all his heart. And then there was a man, who had many, 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 many lambs, many, many sheep. And he came and he took the man who had one, he took him and killed him and it broke the man's heart. And David was outraged. And he said, who is this man? Where is this man? And Samuel said, this man is you. And what did David do? Immediately he repented, immediately. The next sentence in scripture is how he repented. He cried out to God. It's totally different than what Saul did. Saul was also installed as the king. He was also installed by God as the king. But Saul did not repent when he was brought, when when, when, when God used Samuel to tell him where he was wrong. Saul said, But the people did this. But the people, it was, but the people told me. Remember when God told him to go and destroy uh, the, the other land, the people in the land? And they destroyed everybody, but they kept some things. And they kept people alive, and they kept some of the sheep. And Samuel comes and says, did you kill them all? And he says, we took care of it. And he says, well, what is this bleeding of sheep that I hear in the background? And he says, To him, today your kingdom is going to be ripped out of your hands. Today. Because Saul says, Well, it was the people. The people wanted me to do this. The people wanted me to do that. And there are different situations. But this is the end where Saul never said, Lord God, forgive me. That's the bottom line. Go and read it yourself in the book of Samuel, and you'll see the account of Saul and the account of David. And God called David a man after His own heart, and He did not call Saul that. In fact, God knew, God knew what Saul would do. But Saul's heart was not after God; it was changed. In the beginning, remember, he went to with the company of prophets. Remember, he said, "Go, go with it. Do what is, do what you think is right, because the the Spirit of God is with you." The Spirit of God was with him in the beginning, and then the Spirit of God left him because of his heart. This is exactly what Jesus is talking about here. The Spirit of God will leave you. The candlestick, the Spirit of God. What do we want? We want to live a life that's pleasing to the Lord. Why? Because we love him. Because we love him. We love him. We love him. If we will only repent quickly, as he said in his word, We won't be like Saul. The Holy Spirit left him. The Holy Spirit left Saul. He went, he turned into a madman, a crazy man, where the only way he could be calmed and have any peace was was if the very man who was going to take his throne away from him would play the harp, and that's the only way he could have peace. When he didn't have David playing the harp, he was crazy. God let an evil spirit come upon him. That's what it says. It says it in the word of God. We have to look at the word of God and we have to let it change our heart. We have to see what does God say about our heart. Saul's heart was wicked. David's heart was not. That's the difference right there. Saul cried out and repented to Samuel. We don't repent to a man. And that was at the last time. But before that, it was excuse after excuse after excuse. It was the people, the people made me this, the people made me that. He never said, I have sinned against you, Lord God, forgive me for my sin. He blamed it on everyone else. He blamed it on everyone else. Have you done that before? I venture to say yes. I venture to say yes, but here's the beauty. The beauty is today is a new day and you have an opportunity to turn your heart right now and repent. Why do you think Jesus sent the letter to the people, to the church? Why would he send a letter to them? So he could just say, that's it, that's it, I'm just done. No, he wanted them to repent. He gave them the chance to repent. That's what he did. He gave them the opportunity to change, to turn away from their sin and to begin walking and being a doer of the word. That's what the Bible tells us to do. To not be just hearers, but be the doers of the word. That's what Paul said when he, that's what he meant when he said, I'll show you my works. By my works, I'll show you my faith. That's what he meant. Because he was saying, I believe this word of God. And because I believe it, I live my life the way I should. And the way that the word of God would tell me to. That's what he meant. That's what he meant. So, I'm going to read on. But I'm going to go into the book of Matthew. I want you to turn with me into the book of Matthew. Okay, chapter 10, verse 37. No, no, no. Let's go to verse 16, or chapter 16 first. Okay, we're gonna go to the book of Matthew, chapter 16. Turn with me there. Okay, and we're gonna start with verse 24. Okay, and it says, Then said Jesus unto his disciples, If any man will come after me, Let him deny himself and take up his cross and follow me. Right there, right there. Then Jesus said unto his disciples, if any man will come after me. Okay, I want you to think about this and I want you to hear this. You say you follow Jesus. Jesus says, if any man's going to follow me, let him deny himself and take up his cross and follow me. That's what Jesus said. He didn't say that you can have what you want as well as follow him. He said, if any man will come after me, let him deny himself and take up his cross and follow me. That's how you follow Jesus. You deny yourself. You deny yourself. I've heard this preached, I heard this, my pastor preached this, I heard this. And he said, how do we know when we have denied ourselves?" is when your will and Jesus' will cross and you follow Jesus. That's when you deny yourself. When your will comes and and intersects with the will of Jesus and you say, I'm not going to do what I want to do. I'm going to do what Jesus said. That's following after Jesus. That's living the Christian life. I'm going to read on. I'm going to read on. Verse 25, it says, For whosoever will save his life shall lose it. And whosoever will lose his life for my sake shall find it. Right there. You cannot live the Christian life if you're holding on to your old life, your old ways. The old man is what the Bible calls it. The old man. Your old sinful life. You cannot hold on to that and think that you're serving the Lord. You can't follow Jesus and your flesh. You can't follow you and follow Jesus. You can't follow after what you wanna do. You wanna just do the way you wanna do things and live the way you wanna live. No, you have to to follow Jesus. If you wanna live the life of the Christian, you have to follow Jesus. And Jesus did not have his own will. Jesus had the Father's will. Do you remember in the Garden of Gethsemane? he prayed father if there's any way for this cup to pass nevertheless not my will but your will be done jesus did not have his own will he said i do what the father tells me that's what he said i do what the father says and that's what we must do this whole word of god is jesus it says it in his word it says it in his word it says that he is the word of god so if we choose that we want to follow him and we want to live the christian life we must surrender our own life and put it to the side he says right here for whoever will whosoever will save his life shall lose it what does that mean that means if you say you know i want to be a christian but I want to do the same kinds of things that I want to do. I still like to go to the club, Uh, you know, cause that part, I mean, it's not such a bad thing. I'm not doing anything wrong. I'm just dancing. I'm just enjoying myself. I still like to drink a little bit of wine. I still like to drink a little bit of beer. You know, it's not such a big deal. I like to, you know, go hang out with my friends. When I get angry, I cuss, yes, but you know, who doesn't? Well, Christians that live a holy life don't do any of those things. This is what the Word says. Whosoever will save his life shall lose it. Maybe you don't agree with me. This isn't about me. This is about the Word of God. Go in the Word and look for yourself. This is not about what I think or what you think, quite frankly. It's about what the Lord says. This is why I'm going to the Word of God instead of sitting here giving you my own opinion. Because my opinion has been wrong and it will be wrong. And all of us that have our own opinions, which we all do... We could be wrong or we could be right, but we can't trust our opinion. We can't trust our own thoughts. We have to trust the word of God. The word of God will never change. He says that he is the same yesterday, today, and forever. That means that he's not a man that he should lie. That means that whatever he said he would do, he would do. I was reading in the book of numbers and in the book of Deuteronomy, I was amazed. I was absolutely amazed. Those of you that have been reading the word of God and listening to my podcast about where I've been reading the word of God, you, you followed along with me. What really, really blew my mind was how God is so intricate with the details. So intricate. He told Moses, send this people here, but don't take their land don't go to war against them because i gave that land to them i promised that land to them but just go use your money and buy food so you can eat buy water so you can drink and then just pass through the land he remembered who he gave the land to then there was another group he said now go through this land Don't go fight with them. Don't come against them because this is what I need you to do. Just use your money so that you can buy drink and buy food so that you can eat and you have enough to drink and just go through the land because I promised this land to this group of people. And then there's another group that he says the same thing. And as I was reading and I'm saying, oh my gosh, every one that he said anything to, he remembers. Maybe that's not amazing to you. Maybe you already thought of that. It blew my mind. He remembered each and every word he ever, ever said. He's the same today, yesterday, and forever. That is amazing. You read it yourself, and he goes down a whole list. Don't fight with this one because this one I promised this land to. And I did it to, I promised to it because they were this. And I promised this land to this one. I promised even people who sinned against the Lord. This was the the the, the land for Lot. Uh because I promised this to Lot in his generations. This one was I promised to this one in his generations and this one to this one. I was blown away. Blown absolutely blown away because God is so faithful. You don't serve. We don't serve a God who forgets what he said. We don't serve a God. And why is that important? It's not important because he can remember everything. It's important because that means that you can trust him with what he says to you. That's what's important about it. That's what blew my mind. Because I can trust him. I know if he said that he will forgive me as soon as I repent, then I know I've got it. That's all I have to do is turn around and repent. That's it. No matter what I've done, David was an adulterer, he repented, forgiven, forgotten. The Bible says that if you repent, your sins will be forgotten, 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 gone, never remembered again by the Lord, never. If the Bible says that we're a new creation in Christ Jesus, then that means all of our sin before we repented is erased, it's gone, it didn't happen. It's over. You're not even the same person. That's what the Bible says. Somebody said once, and I used to kind of think about this, they said, I'm not that same person. And the first time I heard it, I thought, I really had to think about that. They committed sin and somebody brought it and threw it in their face. You know, we've had that happen. We've all had it happen. Maybe you've done it to somebody. I want you to hear what I'm saying here. Okay. So the person said, well, how can you do this Um, this was Catherine Kuhlman. I'll tell you the story. So when she was younger, she was divorced. She married the wrong man. She divorced him when she came to her senses and she repented, immediately repented. And the Lord said, those sins I've forgotten. They have not even happened with me anymore. You're not even the same person anymore. So someone comes up to her woman says, well, how can you preach? Because you're a divorced woman. And she said, (laughs) ha ha ha. That woman's gone. That woman, that Catherine Coleman's dead. That woman's not here anymore. That was a different person. And when I first heard it, the very first time I heard it, I had to really think that through. But it is scripture. Of course that's the case. The Bible says we're a new creature in Christ Jesus, a new creation. So once you repented of your sins, when you first got saved, everything you did before Jesus is erased. It didn't even happen. So you're going back and you're, oh boy, I wish I never did this and I wish I never did that. According to the word, according to God, you never did. Do you hear what I'm saying? You never did it. It was never done because you repented. And God says, if you repent, I will not only cleanse you of all unrighteousness, I will forget your unrighteousness. Oh, my, my, my. I have to end now. I hear the Lord saying to end now. I don't want to end, but he knows what he's doing. So tune in later on today at 3 o'clock p.m. Eastern Standard Time for part two of the video uh, so that you can hear more about this. So I love you. God bless you. And for those of you who are listening on the podcast, we're going to continue on. Okay, until the next time, bye. All right, and here we go. We're on to part two. So I'm excited. If you watched part one, then you know what I've been preaching about, how God said that you're a new creation, you're a new creature, and all of your sin has been forgotten once you repent, okay? When we surrender our lives to him, That means that we forget all the old things, all the old ways, that's called the old man. How can we surrender everything to him? Well, he makes it easy for us. Because if we repent, he doesn't remember those things. So let's say you were a smoker, okay? Some people believe it's okay to smoke. I don't believe that's okay to smoke cigarettes. It's harming your body. Let's say that you are a smoker and you get saved. And some people have told stories how immediately, as soon as they accepted Jesus Christ as their savior, all of a sudden they stopped smoking. They stopped having the desire. I don't know what it feels like because I've never had been addicted to cigarettes. But some, of pe- some people have told the story. God took it away from them immediately. Yeah, he took it away from them. God is faithful. Some people have said, I had to pray and ask the Lord to take it away from me and he took it away from them. Everybody's different, but you see, God is faithful. God knows exactly what he's doing and God doesn't need us to tell him what to do. He took away whatever needed to be taken away right when it needed to be taken away. You see, you repented. You're a new creation. That's who you are. You're new. You're not the same person. You are a new creation. A new creature means You don't even have the same DNA. Think about that for a second. You don't even have the same DNA. It's as if you're saying, I was a cow and now I'm a horse. Think about that. I was a cow and now I'm a frog. Because you're not even the same. You don't have the same DNA. That's what the Bible says when Jesus When we accepted Jesus as our personal Lord and Savior, we became a new creature. New. Brand new. New. You don't have to worry about all that stuff in the past anymore. Now you're walking as a Christian, living the Christian life. So when you sin, it's the same thing. All you've got to do is repent. Just like David did. God's words about David were that he was a man after his own heart. He didn't say David was an idolater or, or what's the word? He didn't say David was a thief. He didn't call David a, uh, an adulterer. You read through scripture. You don't hear God saying that about him. He doesn't say, and David, the man who stole Uriah's wife. He doesn't say, and David, the man who killed Uriah. He doesn't say, and David, the man who slept with Bathsheba. He doesn't say that. And David, the man who got her pregnant and tried to, no, he didn't go into all that because David repented. That's why. And He's faithful. God is faithful. And this is what I want you to understand. If he says that if we repent and we lay down our life, then we will have life everlasting. Then he is not a man that he should lie. He means it. Everything he says. Not one word of the Bible, not one word is lost. And what do I mean when I say that? I mean every single thing God says in his word has a meaning. Everything. You say, you mean like the number seven? Yep, that's what I mean. The mean, the word and? Yep, that's what I mean. The word but? Yes, that's what I mean. The word dog? Yes, that's what I mean. Because the Bible is the living word. Nothing, nothing was written without it having a meaning. Why would God waste time to write something that he tells us to read daily if some of it doesn't really matter? And who are we to choose which parts matter and which don't matter? And how can we choose that? If the word of God is what's going to give us the light and understanding and and teach us how we're supposed to live, then if we're supposed to be taught by the word of God how to live, and then we have to decide what parts are good and what parts are not, well, that doesn't make any sense. That's not who God is. Everything in his word is holy. everything. Don't miss any of it. I used to when I was younger in my walk. I never really read the Old Testament before. When I was younger, I would just read the New Testament. And I'm many, maybe many of you are doing the same thing. I don't know. I implore you to read the whole Bible because every single part of it is important. Every single part of it is the Word of God. God says it in His Word. He says the Word of God is God in His Word. He says that. But when I would read the Old Testament, you know, sometimes, it was like a story to me. That's all it really was. It was like, you know, like history, like a history lesson. And I read it because they told me I was supposed to read it who's they? The pastors. And I knew that I was supposed to read it because if the pastors said it, I thought, well, it must be true. And then in the Bible, it says I'm supposed to read the word. So I thought, well, okay, but I didn't quite understand why it was important to read every single part of the word of God. And I didn't really understand that it was important to read everything. I just thought I was getting a genealogy, an account of the old history. And the real Bible was Matthew, Mark, Luke, and John. And that's what I really believed. I really thought that. Part of that, I think, came from my Catholic upbringing. That's what I was taught in the Catholic Church. I don't know about you, but that's what I was taught. But we're going to stop for a moment because I'm coming to a place on the podcast where I'm almost over. All right, and here we are. We're back on. Um, Those of you watching on the video, of course, we never stopped this portion. But the podcast, we had to start back over because... We were running out of time. So anyway, maybe, like I said, maybe it was my Catholic upbringing. That was what we were taught. I'll just say, for me, that was my Catholic upbringing, that that was the important part. In fact, when we went to church and when we went to mass, that's what they call it in the Catholic church. Anyway, that's all we read, Matthew, Mark, Luke, and John. And we didn't read it in the Bible. They printed a little booklet and they called it a missalette. and blah, blah, blah. If you were raised Catholic, you know exactly what I'm talking about. That's not the point. The point is, that wasn't what was important only. The whole Word of God is important. That's my point. My point to you is not who said it and all these things. My point is, the important thing in the Word of God is this. Right here. This is the important part of the Word of God. Front to back. Cover to cover. Everything. Everything. The reason that I've been reading the Word of God on the podcast with people every single day is because the word of God is transformative. It will change your life. It has changed my life. I feel the strength in my spirit when I read the word of God. I never understood it could do that. I never knew it. They said it was living, but I didn't quite understand that it was alive. I couldn't quite understand. They said, I'm saying they because the people who taught me stuff, you know, and I'm being very vague about it because maybe you have your pastor who tells you stuff. Maybe you are not quite, maybe you haven't, aren't at a place where you read the word every day. But those people, when I was not reading the word every day, would tell me you're supposed to read it and when you read the Bible, then it will strengthen you. It makes you stronger. You can live the Christian life more. So they told me that and so I thought, well, it must be true. And then they'd show me in the Bible a couple, maybe a scripture here, a scripture there. And that was helpful for me because I wasn't reading anything. So that was better than nothing. But this word of God, reading it all, every day reading the word of god is important reading the word of god is important the bible says let me just take you down a road here for a moment just imagine think about your day you wake up in the morning today monday's a better example monday morning you get up got the kids up uh, get, get 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 the kiddos ready for church or for school excuse me monday Get the kiddos ready for school. One of the things that you do to get them ready for school, you give them a shower, you know, or you tell them to take a bath. Whatever it is you do, your normal routine. Maybe they take a bath at night. So in the morning they brush their teeth. But, you know, you brush your teeth. Everybody brushes their teeth. Well, we're supposed to brush our teeth every day. We do our hair every day. We wash our face. If you need deodorant, you put on your deodorant. Most adults take a shower every day. A lot of kids don't. Every single day they do it at night. Whatever that part is. You take care of all that. Then everybody sits down for breakfast or maybe you're running late or maybe you don't sit down for breakfast, but we, but you feed the kiddos something, right? You give them a banana and a peanut butter and jelly sandwich or you sit them down with a bowl of cereal and or a bowl of oatmeal or maybe you have a smoothie that's got all the nutrients inside and you've carefully thought out what you're giving your children. I'm gonna give them a bowl of cereal. There's protein in the milk. They need grains. I'm gonna give them a healthy cereal. Um, or maybe today, uh, today I don't have a lot of time. I'm gonna to have to let them eat the sugar cereal. I know they love it anyway, but today I'm gonna to let them have the one that they really want. Normally I would give them the healthy cereal this is how we think sometimes, right? As parents, this is how we think. We, we give them the healthy thing. We say, okay, they're going to need some protein. All right. I'm going to give them like a cheese, you know, melt some cheese on toast or something to give them that with their oatmeal or, Maybe I'm gonna give them peanut butter toast and then they're gonna have a piece of fruit. So you go through this in your mind. You wanna make sure they're well fed, right? Yourself as well, you're gonna say, okay, I wanna make sure I have some fruits in my smoothie. Maybe you drink a smoothie for breakfast. In my smoothie, I'm gonna put spinach because I need healthy greens. I'm gonna put peanut butter in it because I know I'm not gonna taste the, the, the spinach, but I'm gonna put the peanut butter in there. I'm gonna have some bananas for sweetness and also potassium. I mean, you're gonna go down the whole list. Because you're thinking to yourself, how am I going to be able to sustain myself for the day? That's what you're thinking. You pack a lunch for the kiddos. You pack a healthy lunch for the kiddos. You're not going to just pack a candy bar and a a soda. You're going to pack them a sandwich with meat and maybe some cheese for dairy. And you're going to give them some fruit and some veggies. And you're going to make sure you give them a little fun, little sugar snack maybe you might give them. And you're going to give them some water so that they have enough water. You're going to think this thing through. And every day you eat, Your body has sustenance. If your children don't eat every day, not only will Child Protective Services come and get them, but they will be starving because they don't have enough food. They need it for sustenance. I think most of you are already already catching on here. The Word of God is our food. It is our sustenance. In the book of Matthew... All right, let me turn on. I wasn't going to go there, so let me see here. All right, dot, 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 dot. Here we are. All right. In the book of Matthew, chapter 6, verse 11, it says, okay, and, and I'm going to stop for a second. When, in starting at verse 6, or chapter 6, when the disciples said, Jesus, teach us how to pray. And he said, okay. And he began to tell them what they should pray so that they would have what they need as they pray and they can go to the Lord and ask him what they need. In verse 11, verse 10, it says, The kingdom come that will be done in earth as it is in heaven. Give us this day our daily bread. Do you think Jesus needed to tell us to ask the Lord God to make sure that we eat bread every day? To make sure that we eat a loaf of bread every day or a slice of bread every day? No, that's not what he was talking about. He was talking about the Word of God. It's our sustenance, it's our food. Jesus is the Word. We must eat of him every single day. If we do not, we will be sick run down, we will not have enough sustenance to contain or to live our lives. We will not be able to function. If you send your children to school with no breakfast, they're not gonna be able to think clearly. Maybe you don't know that, I hope you know that. Most of us know that. That's why the schools have a school breakfast program. A lot of the public schools do because they've been proven, they've proven scientifically that children who've had enough to eat are, not, are no longer focusing on their food and the hunger and their little empty tummies, but they're focusing on their work and they do better in school when they eat breakfast. They've done the research. You can research it yourself, but I think you know what I'm talking about here. If you have enough sustenance, then you can live. You're strong. But those little tummies, those little poor kiddos, if they don't have enough food, well, they can't even live. Have you ever, I don't know if you've ever gone Some of you may have experienced this, but if you've ever gone a time where you didn't have enough food, it is incredibly difficult to think. I'm going to tell you, I've gone down that road before. I've been there where there wasn't enough food in the house to eat. And you want to make sure that everything you have lasts. And I don't say this to tell you, oh, woe is me. I say this to tell you, I know what it physically feels like. And that physical feeling, you can't even think straight, Literally. There's no energy to get up and walk around. There's no energy to do things. And when I say no energy, I mean people pass out at a certain point when they don't have enough food in their bodies. They pass out, okay? I almost did, okay? If you don't eat the Word of God, you're going to faint, as the Word says. Remember what Jesus said, they faint not, you faint not, The Bible talks about growing weary in well-doing. He says, do not grow weary in well-doing. That's what he means, you faint, you give up. Things are so hard, you just can't get through it anymore. You just cannot survive. With the word of God, you'll be able to survive and not only just survive, but live victoriously because the word of God is going to give you every bit of sustenance that you need to live this Christian life. It will teach you how to teach your children. It will teach you that you're supposed to teach your children. It will teach you how you're supposed to interact with your enemies. It will teach you to love them. It will teach you to pray for them. It will teach you how not to be with them. It will teach you not to steal. The word of God gives us all sustenance. Not only does it teach us things intellectually, but it, as I said to you, it will strengthen you. It will spiritually strengthen you and you will Feel it literally in your bones. I'm telling you from firsthand experience. I don't understand how God does that. I really don't. But he's God and he's faithful and he's mighty. And he says in his word that he will do that. He says it. So of course I can trust him. And you can trust him too. If you will just trust what he says in his word. But how can you begin to trust what he says in his word? By reading his word. If you will hear what I'm saying here, this is the Word of God, and it's telling you. The Word of God. The Bible says, read the Word of God daily. That's one of those places where our will and the Lord's will come together. I shouldn't say come together, where they intersect, where they cross. And if you say, when your will is, you know, I'd really rather watch my favorite TV show, instead of read the Bible. My will, favorite TV show, Jesus's will. Spend time reading the word. If you will just say, you know what? I'm not gonna watch my favorite TV show. I'm gonna read the word of God. That's what he means. That's precisely what he's talking about. Your own will, you lay it down. You surrender, you surrender, you surrender. That's what he meant. Let's go to Matthew chapter 10, okay? But let me just make sure I didn't miss something in Matthew chapter 24, or 16 verse 24. Let me go back there for a second. I just want to read this again to you. I hear the Lord saying to read this again to you, Okay. Matthew chapter 16, verse 24 says, Then Jesus said unto his disciples, If any man will come after me, let him deny himself and take up his cross and follow me. For whosoever will save his life shall lose it, and whosoever... I'll read that again. For whosoever will save his life shall lose it, and whosoever will lose his life for my sake shall find it. So you say, what's the big deal reading, you know, watching TV? Well, the big deal is what's that going to do for your spirit man? Nothing. What it's going to do is it's going to feed your flesh. We don't need anybody to feed our flesh. Our flesh is strong enough without us adding to it. The word of God is your strength. The word of God is what you fight Satan with. When Satan comes to do what he says, what the Bible says he'll do to kill, steal, and destroy, when Satan comes to do that, like it says he's going to do, And you have the word of God and you say the word says, but if you don't read the word, number one, how can you fight with the word? Because your words do not frighten Satan. The words of God do. Even Jesus used his word. Even Jesus said, for as it is written. That's what he said. He went to the word himself. Jesus, the word, went to the word. And used the word against the devil. And the devil fleed. The Bible says, resist the devil and he shall flee from you. Right? It says in verse 26, For what is a man profited if he shall gain the whole world and lose his own soul? Or what shall a man give in exchange for his soul? Right there. What are you gonna profit if you lose your salvation? You lose the Lord Jesus, but you gain the world because we're all gonna die and the world is not gonna continue. The kingdom of God will continue. The word of God will continue. The Lord God will continue forever, but not this world. This world's gonna go. All the money that you've achieved, every one of your favorite TV shows that you watched, when you stand before God, you're not going to remember what happened in those TV shows. My goodness, can you remember what happened last year in episode one, verse, episode one of your favorite TV show? Maybe you can, maybe you can't, but give it a year. Give it a couple more months. You probably aren't going to remember it because it wasn't something that impacted your life in a positive way. It certainly impacted your life because it fed your flesh. And we don't want that kind of impact. We want the Word of God. We want holy. Holy. Change. We want to be surrendered. We must be surrendered to the Lord God. Let me go back here. Let me go. Matthew chapter 10. Turn with me there. Matthew chapter 10. And we're in verse 37. Okay. Matthew chapter 10 verse 37. And it says, He that loveth father or mother more than me is not worthy of me. And he that loveth son or daughter more than me is not worthy of me. And he that taketh not his cross and followeth after me is not worthy of me. He that findeth his life shall lose it. And he that loseth his life for my sake shall find it. I want you to just hear. This is all through scripture. Jesus says this so many times because it's important. He says it so many times to you and to me and he said it to the disciples because for some reason, not some reason, I'm not even going to say for some reason, but because of our flesh, we often will want what makes us feel good. Remember this and this? Remember that? When our will intersects with the Lord's will, we must choose the Lord's will. We must choose Jesus. And when we do that, we are Christians. The Bible doesn't say you'll be a better Christian if you deny your life, deny yourself. The Bible says you are a Christian if you deny yourself. Those were sobering words to me because I didn't deny myself before and I called myself a Christian. The Bible says I wasn't. Huh, think about that one. You go into the word and you look at it for yourself. The Bible says, And he that taketh not his cross and follow if after me is not worthy of me. You're not worthy of the Lord if you don't take up your cross and follow after him. He that findeth his life shall lose it, and he that loseth his life for my sake shall find it. Your life, your old life, the life that was All about you. That's the life we've got to lay down. What do I want? Doesn't matter. What does the Lord want? That's what matters. Now you might say, that's really easy to say. That's easy for you to say, Pastor, because maybe you never dealt with this or this and this. Listen, we all have our past before Jesus. I needed Jesus just as much as you need Jesus too. I had all the same, maybe worse I was probably worse, I don't know. I don't know everything that you were delivered from, but I sure know what I was delivered from, and it was pretty bad. It was real bad. See, it doesn't matter how bad it was. What matters is how great Jesus is. That's what matters. All you've got to do is say, Lord, I surrender to you today, and he will take that stuff, and he will begin to give you a desire to serve him, a desire that you never thought you would have, that you never even imagined you would have for him and for a holy life. He wants us to live a holy life. We must live a holy life in order to live the Christian life. He says in his word, if we do not follow after him, if we do not let go of our flesh, he says, if we are not his disciples, if we do not lay down our life, and take up the cross. We are not his disciples. That's what he says that we're not his disciples. I need you. I want you desperately to hear it because it was really something that surprised me. I never caught that. I read it. I read it. I read it, but it never registered in my mind. I didn't have ears to hear it. You cannot follow Jesus and follow your flesh, meaning You must deny everything about you. Everything. That means your favorite TV show that has just a little bit of cussing in it. You got to deny that because a little bit will spoil the whole bunch. That little bit of unholiness, you can't be a little holy or a little bit unholy. You're holy or you're not. And the only way that you're holy is if you follow after Jesus and his blood cleanses you because my righteousness and yours is too is as filthy rags. My own righteousness? Come on. I don't have any righteousness. Nothing. I have nothing to give without Jesus. Nothing. All I can give him is my love. That's it. My love. My love. And even that I need him to help me give it to him. I needed him to draw me to him just like you. I needed him to draw me to him in order for me to love him. I mean, everything. We need him for everything. We even need him to love, to love him. The Bible says that no man will come to the father, but by the, but, but, but I'm getting tongue twisted here. No man will come to Jesus, but by the Holy spirit, but if, but if the Holy spirit draws him only will the Holy spirit draw you, then then only will you come to Jesus. If the Holy spirit draws you and only can you come to God, but through Jesus. So where does it start that he drew you He drew you. That's where it starts. He drew you. I'm back to the same point here. We need the Lord for everything. If we'll only surrender to him, he'll do it all. Have you ever done something? I don't know. I'm going to use an example. Sugar. You might be thinking, what are you talking about sugar for? So I made a decision to stop eating sugar. I stopped eating sugar. This was, um, well, recently. I had done it before and had lost some weight not eating sugar and I had gone back to eating sugar, white sugar. And I said, I know I don't need to, I should stop eating this sugar. You know, it's, it causes people to gain weight you can do your own research, but it causes people to gain weight. I knew this. I've done the research, and I said, and it's bad for your body. It causes cardiovascular disease, all of these negative things. And I said, so I need to stay away from the sugar because I love sugar. You, Some people say, oh, I like a piece of chocolate every now and again. No, I could eat chocolate probably every single day. I could eat cake every day. I could eat all those sweet things. I love those things. I'm not that person who says, Like a little bit of sweets. No, I love them. I like them a lot, Uh, really a lot. So I knew because of that, I needed to let it go. And so I said, okay, I'm going to do this again. Do you know that was one of the easiest decisions I had ever made? I was shocked at how easy it was. I literally lost the desire for sugar. How did that happen? It was in a two-week period. I lost the desire. Like two weeks, I was saying to myself, "How was it so easy? because it was the lord who did the work for me that's why it was and and you might be saying well why would god care about sugar well god cares that i want to honor him with my holy temple he cares that i want to honor him because he also knows that i would eat too much of it and i had you know it was not good he knew that and he knew everything in my heart about it and he delivered me from sugar and it was like that. And I literally said, why was it so easy this time? The last time it was not that easy. I had to constantly say, okay, I'm not going to eat sugar. I need to have this. And that worked at the time. I lost a bunch of weight and that was great. I needed to lose weight. I needed to be healthy. But how come it happened so easily this time? Because the Lord God was faithful and He honored the work and blessed the work of my hands. I made the decision to honor Him. I wanted to bless Him. I wanted to be healthy. This is my holy temple and he did the work. He did it. So listen, if I need Jesus to stop eating sugar, we need Jesus for everything. And don't let this be a testimony that proves, this doesn't prove that I need Jesus for everything. The word proves it. I can't prove anything to you. The word will prove it to you. I don't need to prove it to you. The word will prove it to you. Go through scripture and begin to read the word, and you're going to see things that will blow your mind. You will say, what? It says this in here, and this happened to me, and it says it would happen. What? It says it right here. There are things in scripture that I've read that I knew it was the right way to handle it, and I knew it would happen every time. If you do this, this always happens. But I didn't know it was in the word. I didn't know it was literally written out in the word. It's the same thing. We need Jesus for everything. So I wanna close here with you in prayer. I wanna stop for a moment in prayer with you and I wanna just say this to you before I pray. Surrender it all over to Jesus. Surrender it to him. Because that's the only way to live the Christian life. Not to live a better life, no. To live the Christian life. If you haven't surrendered it over to him, the Bible says that you're not his disciple. Read it for yourself. The Bible says it. It says you're not his disciple. It says you've got to follow after him. If you don't follow after him, if you don't put down your life and pick up the cross, you're not his disciple. That's what it says. So I'm going to pray with you because it is a simple decision and all you have to do then is ask the Lord to help you. And he will. Just like he helped me with the sugar. It was tough the first time. But when I asked the Lord to help me, I was literally saying, why was it so easy this time? I didn't even miss the sugar. And that was pretty surprising for someone who likes sweets like me. Or who has liked sweets like me. If you're sitting here today and you're saying, I really want to change my life, but I don't know how to do it. Or I really want to be different, but I don't think that Jesus would change me because, Pastor, you don't know what I've done in my life. It doesn't matter if I know. Jesus knows already. He already knows. And the Bible says that if you come before him just as you are, it's not about your clothes just as you are. It's about your heart, the condition of your heart just as you are. If you come before him, with a filthy heart, you are living in sin. I mean, you could be doing anything. You think you've you think you've done some bad things? Prostitutes come before the Lord, and He cleans them up. Idolaters come before the Lord, and He cleans them up. People who worshipped other gods—you think, oh, that's so bad. He'll clean them up. David, David, remember—he was an adulterer. He was a murderer. He was a liar, he was a cheat, he was deceptive, a deceiver, all those things. I'm sure you can choose one of those and there's a whole lot more. Jesus will forgive it all. That's what he says in his word. If you will repent, he's faithful and true. He will forgive it all, all your unrighteousness, all of it, not some. So now I'm telling you now, no amount of sin in the world is too much for God. Stop looking at your sin and look at how big God is. Stop looking at your sin, Christian, and say, I I kept making the same mistake, same mistake, same mistake, same mistake. Stop looking at your sin and how big it is and look at how big God is. Because the God that you and I serve, the God of the universe is big enough that he remembers every hair on your head. I can't tell you how many hairs I have on my head. And I guarantee he knows exact number that are gray. So you see all this gray? I don't know how many gray hairs in this mine. He knows how many are gray. He knows how many are short. How many are longer. He knows how many are brown. He knows a total count of hair on my head. And the Bible says that. And he knows the amount on your head as well. And why is that important? Because he loves us so much that he knows us down to the nth detail. He remembered As I told you, what blew my mind, he remembered in the book of Exodus and Numbers who he promised what land to. There's a lot of people that he made promises to and he remembered each and every one of them. Why does that matter? doesn't mean he has a good memory. He does. He remembers everything. He's God. He's perfect. What it means is that he's not a man that he should lie. It means that he will not lie to you what he said he's faithful in. If he said to you, repent now and I will forgive you, that's what he's going to do. Let's start right now. Let's pray. I'm gonna move my chair out of the way, and if that's you, I'm gonna even gonna pick up my cell phone so that the people of the podcast can hear me as well, and you can pray together with me here today. If that's you, and you've been saying, I have so much in my life, and I just want peace. And I hear what you're saying, Pastor Michelle, you're saying that if I will just give it all over to Jesus and surrender everything to Jesus, then I will have a new life. Then I want to do it. If that's you here today, or you're a Christian saying, I haven't really, I've called myself a Christian, but according to what the Bible says, I'm not a disciple. I'm not a disciple of Jesus. A disciple is a Christian friend. And you're saying, I'm shocked about that. I, I, I never realized that. Today is the new day. Or maybe you're saying, I knew it. And I've just been a bit tired. And I've just kind of threw in the towel and just said, you know what? I don't care. And some things you let slip through the cracks. Some things you just started doing again. You went and looked back at your old life. This is for you as well. Jesus is big enough that he will forgive all of your unrighteousness. Can you hear me? All of your unrighteousness. That's what he says. So let's pray right now. If that's you, I want you to pray with me, this prayer with me today. Believe it in your heart, confess it with your mouth, and Jesus is faithful to forgive you. Dear Heavenly Father, dear Jesus, I'm so sorry for my sins against you. I learned that you are the Son of God and that you said to me, all I have to do is repent and you died on the cross so that I could repent you died on the cross so that all of my sins could be forgiven and today I believe that if I ask you you will forgive me so I ask you right now to forgive me of all of my sins I want to be a new creature in you I want to be a new creation in you I want to be new wash me with your blood Lord Jesus wash me Wash away all of my unrighteousness, all my wickedness, all the bad things. Wash it away out of my life. And I promise you here today that I'm going to live my life for you. Starting now, forevermore. I will take up that cross and I will follow you. I'm going to put down my desires. Jesus, will you help me put down my desires? Will you help me, Jesus, to stop doing what my flesh wants me to do and what my own desires and my sinful desires want me to do? And will you help me to do what you want me to do? Will you give me a desire, a new desire, where I want what you want, where I love what you love and I hate what you hate? I thank you, Jesus. Amen. Friends, if you prayed that prayer, welcome to the fold. If you prayed that prayer and you were, splat- you were turned away, welcome back. I love you, God is faithful, and more importantly, He loves you. That's the most important thing here today. So I wanna just encourage you to share this message, if it blessed you, because the Word of God is powerful, the Word of God is life-changing, and the Word of God is faithful. Share this message it's gonna be on my Facebook page it's gonna be on my YouTube channel you can find the link on my Instagram or on my uh, uh, what's the word I'm looking for my Twitter page all you've got to do is look for Michelle Donatian ministries or look for Michelle Donatian and you'll find it you can also go to Michelle if you want to be encouraged with written content uh, I've written a couple of letters and I'll continue to do some things and write things that will encourage you but friends I love you. God bless you. And remember, don't look at how big your problems and your sin is. Look at how big your God is. I love you. Until the next time.